In a world where people strive to conquer the digital landscape, the best leaders are moving forward and planting flags. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast, where you can hear about the thrill of digital victory and the industry's best guidance on how to win with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. All right, let's see here. I'm scrolling through all of the uh, wonderful things that have been said about uh, this particular book called The Idea Factory. Uh, actually, I guess the full title is The Idea Factory of Bell Labs and the Great Age of American Innovation, which was written uh, just a few years ago. Well, I, I say a few years ago. It's almost 10 years ago now uh, by a guy named John Gertner. And I'm looking for a good one to share with you. Ah, here we go. Here we go. This is, here, here's a uh, one of the many statements of praise for this book, this one says, Gertner's lesson is twofold. First, innovation marches to an irregular drumbeat toward goals halfway seen. Satellite communications were the result of combining research in, among other things, solar power, transistors, and rockets. Second, second, uh, this is the twofold lesson, this is the second part. The tensions that spawn innovation cannot be maintained forever. Groups splinter, rivals arise, and gaps in knowledge are filled. In the midst of this intellectual creative destruction, the world is changed. So now, who doesn't want to read that book? I mean, this is, I, I haven't read it myself. Uh, in fact, I just learned about it uh, recently when I was talking with, uh, with our guest, uh, for today's episode, and uh, who's a, is a fantastic guy. I'm going to get to that in a second. Um, but anyway, The Idea Factory, uh, written by John Gertner. Um, if you're interested in innovation, which you're listening to this show, which, by the way, is called Oil & Gas Digital Doers, um, where we talk about getting digital done. So if you're listening to this, you must be interested in innovation. So uh, you, should, you should check out this book. I'm going to add it to my list of uh, things that I never have time to read. So, enough of that. Uh, welcome again to Oil & Gas Digital Doers, brought to you right here on the Oil & Gas Global Network by our very good friends. And uh, in case you haven't noticed, we've had a, uh, we have a new sponsor for the Digital Doers podcast. Uh, our friends at HPE, Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Uh, love having these guys on board because they are doing a lot of great things. Um, you know, this whole, you know, we talk about digital transformation. Well, these guys are out there on the front lines actually helping uh, a lot of companies to cause digital transformation to occur. And in particular, lately, they've been talking a lot about this thing called HPE GreenLake, uh, which is an edge-to-cloud platform that, um, you know, I have to be honest, I haven't done as much homework on this as I probably should. Uh, now that they're a sponsor, uh, i got to learn all about it. But I'm telling you, uh, people are talking about GreenLake. So uh, if you got anything to do, if you're doing anything that involves you know, the edge and the cloud, which if you're in oil and gas and you're digital, how could you not be doing something? Like everybody's doing something that relates to the edge and the cloud. So check out HPE GreenLake and uh, find out what that's all about. You can find it pretty easy on their website. Um, yeah, just Google HPE GreenLake and uh, you're going to find it very easily. So anyway, thanks to... Uh, Thanks to HPE is uh, for sponsoring the show. Of course, we love our sponsors at oil. At <laughs> we love our sponsors at OGGM because without them, there is no us. It's really true. Um, 
without our sponsors to pay the bills, there is no way that we could bring you all this fantastic content and you would have nowhere to go because there isn't any place. So thanks to our sponsors. We also love what they're doing for the industry, uh, which is the other, you know, we, we, don't just, we, just, we don't just work with anybody who throws money at us. Uh, they got to be doing something good for the only gas industry, and, uh, and HPE is no exception. All right, today, today we're talking about just innovation kind of in general, um, which we do from time to time, but it is, it's a challenge in this industry. Like, it's not, it's not that we don't know how to innovate. I mean, you've heard my soapbox on that. Um, we do, <laughs> this industry has been innovating in lots of ways for a long time. Um, just because it's not whatever the cool kids happen to be doing at that moment. Um, but we've all, we have solved very, very complex problems. One of the challenges for us, though, is how do we adopt um, new innovations, especially these, they're coming fast and furious, and they're coming from, like, small places where maybe there's not a long, you know, track record of, of, of somebody who's done this for a company just like mine 50 times before, but, but we, can't, we can't just discard these things because they got the potential to really change the business. So today we are talking uh, with Mr. Scott Gale, who is the executive director and sort of more or less instigator, I think, of this thing called Halliburton Labs. And so <laughs> it might come as a surprise to you that, uh, that a great... Uh, some great energy behind very new young innovation is coming out of the old establishment, such as Halliburton, but it is. And so so that's it. That's what we're going to talk about today. And so, ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm OGG and welcome to Mr. Scott Gale. And welcome back, folks. I know that you enjoyed that uh, exciting musical interlude, but we are now back. And uh, and as promised, I have here uh, on the line, as we used to say, I have joining uh, Mr. Scott Gale from Halliburton Labs. And Scott, I, I, I appreciate you making time. I know we had to shuffle the schedule a couple of times. Uh, I know you're a busy guy, so I appreciate you uh, making time to be on the show. Mike, we made it work. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay, so what are we talking about? We So we... So Scott, you're you're uh, you're with this thing called Halliburton Labs. You've been with Halliburton for a long time, um, and you were in in some other industry areas, you know, prior to that. I think I remember seeing like Dow Chemical and stuff on your background. Mm-hmm. Um, but you but you helped start up this thing called Halliburton Labs, and um, uh, recently, I think this year. And I know you're like plugged into the Houston startup community. And I think I saw something about like a board member at Jones School over there at, at Rice. And um, so you got a lot going on. Uh, what, what else do you want to and, and I know you, you your, your background reads like a like a startup guy. So what else do you want to uh, you want to tell folks before we get kind of get into it today? Yeah, sure. Happy to. I mean, a couple of things that come to mind are one, I, I've been at Halliburton I'm approaching uh, year seven at Halliburton. And I joke that Halliburton is the youngest company that I've worked for in my professional career. That uh, is that is hard to imagine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, uh, no one but, has ever said that before. <laughs> uh, well, it's a fact. Um, I, the company that I was at before we celebrated 150 years when I was there. Um, wow. uh, and so I uh, spent a lot of time in my career in the, the petrochemical space, but I also like to say that I, I've, I've had an entrepreneurial career. So I've been mm-hmm. lucky where the the jobs that I have done throughout my career didn't exist until I jumped into them. 
And so I uh, have often had the opportunity to be involved in uh, change initiatives and other things from inside of established corporations and, and working to kind of help um, steer the ship or establish something new or different. And so have really enjoyed um, that experience and really kind of leading into the opportunity that came about with Halliburton Labs, which was uh, really around May of 2020. So it's been about a year and some change. Oh, right. Uh, okay. And and so was really involved with our hydraulic fracturing business and spent a lot of time in frac chemicals. I'm a chemical engineer um, by training. Uh, I really haven't done uh, any true proper engineering in a while, but uh, graduated from Rice Business in 2019. And uh, this year was asked to serve on the alumni board and so spend uh, time with uh, that great group of folks and alumni thinking about the, uh, the interactions between uh, Big Rice and Rice Business and, and yep. alum. And um, maybe a less known fact, I do some voice acting and stuff on the side. So I like to, to work. Oh, uh, so you, you, you beat me. So I was going to, I was going to throw that in there. I was going to, I was about to say, um, for those of you listening right now who are saying, gosh, this guy has a really smooth, uh, deep, like professional sounding voice. The reason is that, or, or the, the related fact is that you, you do some voice acting. Right. Yeah, related fact. It's something uh, people have kind of commented on over the years, and I never really did anything with it, uh, being sort of a math and chemist yeah. kind of uh, person primarily, and uh, took the time to get professionally trained and uh, spent some time doing that. So I enjoy oh, that. Yeah. It keeps yeah. me busy. Um, uh, cool. In, yeah, in I'll, uh, I'll look for you on Fiverr next time I'm out there. <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> probably out there. It's been a little while. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, actually there's so much, uh, it's a whole other subject, but, um, I know, I know various people who are like, I, I, like they're, they're killing it on Fiverr. Like, like it's huge sure. business for some people. It's, it blows my mind, uh, the kind of stuff that's happening there. So anyway, the other thing I wanted to mention is, uh, thanks for that, uh, is for those of you listening right now, um, who are saying, Halliburton Labs, it sounds familiar. I feel like OGGN has talked about them before. It's because uh, you're also a sponsor of, of one of our other shows, uh, the Energy Scale-Ups show with uh, sure. Jose Solis, and which which we just launched uh, this year and uh, is doing really great. Yeah. So so thanks for your sponsorship. Yeah, you bet. Show. We're thrilled to have it out there. Yeah. And so one of the things that I always say about our sponsors at OGGN, usually I say this in the other part that you know, that I record later, um, is, uh, that we love our sponsors not, and it's not just the financial, I mean, we do, we need that part, right? Otherwise like none of this happens without the financial support, but with, the, with all the sponsors that we have, we work with them because we really like love, you know, what they're doing for the industry. They're doing good things for the industry and they're, they're good people. And we feel like, you know, if, if, if we like them, you'll like them and all that. So, um, and so Halliburton Labs is no different. And one, one of the things, the reason why I thought this would be a great um, topic on this show is because one of the challenges that we have in this industry being so big and complex, you know, historically complex and, and let's just say cumbersome as it is, is just the basic philosophy of how do we like approach innovation and how do we do things that we know are going to be disruptive without incurring excessive risk like that just by itself 
is a challenge. And that's something that you're, that you're tackling, right, um, uh, in various ways with Halliburton Labs. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it's it's definitely uh, there's no doubt that uh, in the world of energy, um, really sort of regardless of where you sit, it is uh, turbulent. There's a lot of things that are, are changing and being looked at differently. And so when when disruption is coming and there's you know lots of good, um, you know, university level studies or books or whatever that, you know, explore disruption and innovation and change and all these things. Uh, some type of, you know, big externality that comes in and, and forces you to change, you know, you're either going to, you, you've got to disrupt yourself in, in some way, shape or form. And we're all familiar with, you know, the, the, the stories of companies that have done that successfully and the stories of companies that have maybe struggled to do that and maybe aren't around anymore. But, you know, some of the statistics that get tossed around and these are, are, are dated. So I have to sort of like, you know, you can fact check me. Maybe I'll just kind of keep them general is the turnover of the S and P 500. If you look back 10 years right, ago, right. You know, the, yeah. the, the, the member companies, of the S and P 500 uh, were meaningfully different than uh, what they are today. And so to, if you're mm-hmm. in the S and P 500, you've really got to be thinking uh, about who you are and who you're going to be. And, and so, yeah, the, I, I would say the formation of Halliburton Labs uh, really was no different in terms of taking a look and saying, okay, there, there's big, important macro trends that need to be considered and addressed. And uh, the thing that I really like about sort of the formation of Halliburton Labs is it wasn't a sort of response to, you know, an external trigger so much as it was we, we dug in and really did a lot of research about innovation and where it comes from and um, and, and studying those kind of, uh, examples and right. we got into a book called the idea factory by uh, John mm-hmm. Berger, which highlights bell labs and, um, kind of the innovation around, uh, communication over the last kind of century and lots of really interesting kind of learnings around that, but it really started to set the stage for the premise of what it could mean for. Halliburton is an organization to engage with early stage companies through a new and unique model. And what would the trade-offs be and what would it take to kind of get us there? But that was some of the initial um, thinking and rationale for kind of how we, how we started down this path. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because so Halliburton um, as a company, in spite of your youth, mind you, um, (laughs) is, is, is certainly a company, uh, you know, when we talk about having an appreciation for the complexity and, and the, just the sheer size and and the complexity of operations um, in in oil and gas, which is is similar in other forms of energy. Uh, well, it's similar once you get out of like the guy's garage and into actually scaling, right? Um, like, like Halliburton understands that, right? So you're not um, because this is a this is trouble that we always have in this industry is there's always people coming from the outside who are like, ah, let me show you this new cool thing, and you're like, hold on there, like you know, there's a lot you don't understand. So it's 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 interesting to have it coming from a company that would be otherwise known as the the uh, re- reasonably old, reasonably old right Establish. Establ- <laughs> establishment, right? So. 
So that's good. So I, I, there's no question in there. Maybe you have something, you have something yeah, no, to I, add. The way that I think about it, you know, often referred to as, uh, you know, incumbents or, you know, the, the established energy players or whatever it might be, we kind of get lumped in, uh, in, in, in different discussions there, which is, which is great. And I think it's one of the reasons, frankly, if you look back at sort of the clean tech 1.0 movement, you know, given right. our, our focus right. and mission is around uh, energy transition and advancing cleaner, affordable energy is our mission, is the, the, the absence of, we'll say, incumbent energy involved in that. And a lot of people who really, um, frankly, lost a lot of money during that investment cycle, yeah. uh, look to that as uh, one of the one of the gaps and in this sort of latest uh, wave one of the sort of characteristics that makes this time different is the engagement of a, a lot of these incumbents and i think that's a, a critical factor and there's a, a term that i i like to use i don't know if i coined it i've been using it long enough i forget where it came from but this idea of the weight of incumbency as yeah. as the, the the thing that sort of keeps organizations from changing because we've we we have built process and, and establish ways to get variation out of our business because variation equals cost. And when you're an established player, you've got your you you survive in, in, in many cases because you're the lowest cost provider or you're bringing something new and novel to the table. And um, there's lots of different angles to differentiate in this market. But uh, it's it's something that variation uh, becomes the bad guy and that gets baked into the culture. And so if a new idea pops up, it's really hard to sort of get it up and get it in fertile ground and get it moving. Yeah. Yeah. And part of that is this, uh, again, this weight of incumbency. It's difficult to, to, to move that when something's got that much momentum. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. You don't, um, and even if you, there's a lot of different stages in this industry. You have to move it through a lot of different pieces, right? Um, sure. And okay. and it's really it's, it's getting these people over here on board is not the same as getting everybody on board. And of course, all the operations are are interrelated and things like that. So we know that that's different. And and we talk about that a lot um, on the show, but not only on the show, but on the tech show. Um, so I so okay. So enough for the like the the philosophical. Uh, contemplating sure. um let's let which is really good though is i think it's interesting that uh that this is coming from from halliburton so what exactly let's i got a couple things that i want to cover but the first thing is let's talk about what exactly does halliburton labs do i mean are we is are we talking about just a typical incubator or what are you guys doing exactly over yeah. So as I say, our mission is to advance cleaner, affordable energy. And, and we, we do that by creating an environment that is founder focused and is intended to bring to bear resources uh, that a, a startup company wouldn't have access to otherwise. Um, and so certainly we're nearest akin to an accelerator. I think we deviate from kind of typical accelerator programs in a couple of key ways. One um, a typical accelerator is bringing in maybe volunteer mentors or kind of tapping right. into the community to sort of lean on that support. We have the benefit of having access to Halliburton. And so yeah. The, yeah. the mentorship that we tap into, whether that's engineering expertise or manufacturing or supply chain or whatever that may look like, 
Um, these, these aren't, these are, um, I want to use the term professional. That's not what I intend to say is it's not just a volunteer core of, of folks that we tap into. It's the, the professional organization inside of Halliburton that are doing their day jobs. We're able to sort of tap into that expertise and, and be able to work with startups and meet them where they're at with their challenges. Right. And we, we describe it as curated mentorship engagements. And so startup comes to us, they've, they've got a challenge, whatever it might be. Hey, we need to take a look at this part that we're manufacturing, or we need to get something into a, a different country, or we just need a opportunity to demonstrate our technology in a particular environment. And we are able to tap into Halliburton's people, our facilities, and our extended business network to be able to solve those challenges for uh, to work yeah. with companies to solve those issues, and so the in terms of reducing cost and time to be able to kind of get to outcomes, that's that's really a, a big focus of what we do. There is a, a second line of things that we bring forward, uh, kind of a second track of activity, and. Mm-hmm. That is uh, around some formal curriculum. So we do offer every week, um, Thursday afternoons, actually, uh, we, we pull together all of the participant companies and we discuss a topic from fundraising to pitching to how to build a health and safety culture from the ground up. And we cover uh, we've got 16 weeks of, of content that we cover with them. And we serve that up and make that available. Nothing obligatory about it. Anybody who is an yeah. employee of the companies can participate. And so those are kind of the two main tracks. And we provide that for a period of 12 months. And we do that in exchange for 5% equity. And we take mm-hmm. that in the form of a safe document. Right. And uh, it's a, so it's a pretty simple model. Uh, we do that. It aligns incentives. It allows us to unlock the Halliburton resources on behalf of the company. And so we really, I, I think the the last two comments that I want to make about it that are important is we really like to call ourselves a scalerator. We're, we're, right. we're, we're yeah. focused and helping bring scaling resources. And so the companies we're looking for really need to be in a position to kind of take advantage of those. And one of the better ways that I've found to describe it is we think about putting an industrial wrapper around a participant company. We we almost, uh, it's not quite to this extent, but the, the, like a business line inside of Halliburton, if you need functional support in supply chain or manufacturing, whatever it might be, you can pick up the phone and, and get that support. We try and as the Halliburton labs team, create an environment where a startup company can experience something similar. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really good. Um, certainly there's a lot more substance there than the typical, um, accelerator, which is really just more about, uh, you know, providing people with facilities and, and maybe some marketing help and things like that. Um, uh, but there's something that is really interesting. Um, that I think is interesting for the industry. And as we think, you know, in this show being digital doers, we talk about how the industry is getting digital done. Uh, I think, so your thing about a, a 
what did you say? A scale, scalarator? Scalarator, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is why I think we called our the other show, the podcast, Energy Scale-Ups, right? So this concept of scale um, and, you know, industrial strength, right, is this is the really the tricky part for um, for large companies or even not even so large, is for any companies in this industry who are saying, you know, I, I want to try to take advantage of these what's coming out of these new innovators, but I worry a lot about like, can they scale? Right? Like, I, I see that they can do a proof of concept, um, but but can this scale? Um, what happens when I have issues? Are they? You know, is, is the well? First of all, is the product? Is it really industrial grade? Is it ready for prime time? Can it can it stand up to right? Like this is what makes people. If I'm if I'm at a at a at an operator or a big service company, or whatever. Like this is what makes me nervous. And um and, and this is exactly what you're you're bringing to like like what do you do? Um, one of the things that would make me feel better if I knew that I was working with somebody that you had worked with is like if they weren't ready for prime time you know, are, are you going to like dress them up and send them out anyway? Right. Or are you going to work with them until they are ready for prime time? So how does, how does that, how, how does, how, how does all that kind of factor into your, to your strategy? Yeah. But you bring up kind of a, a, an interesting point, which is something that, that we wrestle with. Um, and, and before I get to that, I'll, I'll say, uh, yes, we, the, the gap that you're, you're talking about is certainly one that we identified in the, the run up to, Sure. standing at Caliburn Labs is to say like there is a a depending you know people call it different things but sort of a technical valley of death and or a commercial valley of death particularly right. for um you know hard tech based companies people that are you know going to put something out onto a location is it like you're saying is it is it rugged enough is it reliable right. You know, right. uh, and it, it slows down adoption cycles dramatically. It's very yeah. hard to iterate when you're when you're in that kind of situation. Right. Um, right. And 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 yeah, Halliburton have uh, a bunch of skills and resources. And um, I like to use this term. Uh, some folks don't like it, but that we've got scar tissue from taking uh, hardware <laughs> to scale around the world. Yeah. I mean, we're right. really good at it. Um, and so but that's what we want. Like if I'm the buyer, if, if, if I'm the person, like I want to hear that, right. That's what I want to hear because, because that means that like, this is, this is really, e even if it, even if the, the new, whatever the new thing is, is coming from whatever, like these geniuses that came up with this new innovation, like I understand, like maybe they're not going to have a story where they've done this for 50 companies just like me and it's worked. But, but if they've been working with you, I know you have that scar tissue uh, that that's going to make me feel a lot better, I think. Yeah. And, and so this is kind of the point that I want to make around it just to kind of be clear with the relationship that we have with our participant companies at Halliburton labs is the, 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 the company, the participant company, um, right. the startup, it's still up to them. Like they still need to build their company. They need to do the, the take the steps necessary, et cetera. But what we're providing is a backdrop in an environment where they can do that faster with better input perspective, um, 
And yeah, yeah. and so that that aspect of it, we really do as a Halliburton Labs team roll up our sleeves and work side by side with the companies to sort of help them think about their challenge. But it's ultimately up to them to solve it. Like we're, I, I want to make sure that that's clear that we're not kind sure, of sure. inhaling uh, startup companies and like you know commercializing their tech forum or representing their technology. Um, that right. isn't the case. It's more of Hey, uh, you're out there as a startup hustling, doing the things you need to do. And man, we can really make your life a lot easier. Um, in, I mean, just if I can just share like a quick, small example. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Go ahead. One of the companies that we we've got is, uh, uh, nanotech. They've got, you know, material science company and, uh, they, they needed, to send some, uh, ship out some product that they had made in uh, kind of a pretty standard uh, container. But because of COVID, there was like a big shortage right. uh, of the, like, couldn't, like, Home Depot, Lowe's, like, could not, like, find it. And they were in a crunch to, like, you know, get the material out to their customer. And like, we just flexed some supply chain muscle and were able to track it down. And Within yes, yeah. like 24 hours, like had the, the the container they needed and they were able to like get going. And so like that's just like a really small example of like something that can derail a, a company. Maybe derail is too strong, but sort of knock off course or, you know, you lose sure. a geek or now you're apologizing right. to a customer. But because of our, you know, again, that industrial wrapper, um, we were able to do something quick and uh, it made a big difference for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's great. I, I think, um, I mean, that's the stuff, right? That like, if, again, if I am the industry buyer, that's what I worry about, right? Is, is what happens when these folks can't, can't get a container that I know that somebody like, I know if I were dealing with Halliburton, like, uh, yeah, like they're going to get a container, but, but these guys, I don't know. And then I'm stuck, right? Like that's the kind of stuff that I think, um, just thinking in terms of, and kind of coming back to the philosophical discussion a little bit, you know, how do we, we talk about this in various, from various directions on this show, but one of the principal things with digital transformation isn't just about the digital technology itself, but it's how do we like get that and use it in a way that, um, you know, how do we adopt this innovation into our operations, which already have like enough moving pieces in them to, to worry about. Um, and so this is, so, so this is kind of a nice, uh, um, this is a nice way of bringing those together, and 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 the philosophy that you have, I think, is very is real. What else? So, like, if I'm sitting there going thinking about that, like, like, what else would you tell somebody who's like actually out on the front lines? You know, we have these people in these roles, like digital advisor and stuff, which basically means that they're like they got to sit in between operations and and all the other and the tech groups and stuff and try to make this stuff happen. What kind of advice would you would you give those people in terms of how to? adopt safely and effectively adopt innovation into these operations? Sure. You know, that's a, that's a challenging question. And one that, you know, I don't think there's like a real clear right answer to, but I think, yeah, I think that's why we have a podcast about it. <laughs> that's why we're exploring it. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, it certainly starts with a mindset. I think that 
we could just be more curious as people um, and be willing to sort of have in our own mind uh, a willingness to look at something that we've looked at time and again and look at it through a different lens. And that honestly, that can take extra time and effort. And I think that just having some curiosity and having that willingness and having sort of that problem solving mentality uh, is a start because there's, it's risk. It's all about sort of balancing risk. And so exactly. that's the thing, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If it's your job to, you know, not shut the operation down, then you're not going to do anything that is going to potentially disrupt that. But so, you know, what's the old saying, show me your incentives and I'll show you your actions kind of thing. I think right. certainly leadership uh, in these organizations can incentivize innovation and adoption and encourage that type of internal disruption through the facilitation of demonstration opportunities and other things. And and to, to bake that into process, to think about that from the beginning, to say, okay, this is our standard process, but are we going to be willing to, I don't know, you could pick it some quarterly time frame to bring a new technology out to do uh, to at least raise awareness, create opportunity for visibility and create those collisions and those sparks for where the issue is. And having that iteration opportunity, I think makes a huge difference. I don't know if that's maybe like a, that's really yeah. like tangible or helpful, but I, I really do think that like where I'm, where personally, where I see those changes taking place is it's just, in the mentality of the people and the leadership. And it's at kind of a cultural level of like, we just really like it when cool, new, interesting things work and we want to make that happen. We make it a priority. Yeah. yeah. Well, you make an interesting, I mean, it's a good point, uh, which you made in a very non-offensive way, which is, um, you know, and I'll, and I'll, I'm always the first one to sort of defend to the death that the stereotype against the stereotype that says, oh, oil and gas people are closed-minded and they don't want to do anything different and, you know, that whole thing, right? Like, I will I will, I will, will argue against that until I have, like, no more breath in me. Yeah. But the fact is we are kind of that way sometimes. <laughs> and so, and, but but we are that way for, for oftentimes good reasons, not just because we're like, uh, you know, uh, just don't want to do anything new, but, but and you, 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 you alluded to this a little bit, you know, somewhere out there, there's a guy in, in project, in offshore projects, and he's saying, I know how to get this done and hit all the numbers that I need to hit uh, so that I so that it works and I still get my bonus and all of that. I know how to do that the way that I already do it. If you ask me to do something new, um, like now I have risk that I didn't have before. Um, and so, you know, or, or people in operations, you know, who, who can kind of say like similar things. And... Um, and that and that really is actually somewhat prevalent. And we have, to, I mean, I, I there's I, I've had stories of guys who say who used to be in operations, and they say, yeah, usually when somebody came into my office talking about what we're talking about right now, I threw them out immediately. And so, um, you know, so you make a good point, which is, yeah, we really do need to kind of change our mindset about some of this stuff, right? And yeah, that's my starting place because. Uh, absolutely processes in place to ensure that we mitigate downside risks. And there, those risks need to be considered and thought about, particularly on the safety front. And uh, I just think that there's opportunities to do it. And, and like you're saying, like if, if you're not even 
listening to the potential for something different and you're just throwing that person out of your office, right? You, you're never getting exposure to the new and interesting idea that could completely transform your business, whether it transforms you or your competitor and wipes you off the mat. You know, those are things that, uh, again, I think come with just sort of a, a bit of a different mindset. Yeah. 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 I'm with you. Okay, good. So, uh, so this is good. I think, um, we probably, it's probably a good place to wrap up. What, um, uh, unless you got something else that you're burning to say, I mean, we, we like, they're not going to shut the machine off on us. If you got, yeah. <laughs> no, like, I, mean, I, I think we've covered good territory. I mean, I think just in kind of, in our, in the spirit of wrapping up, you know, we, we bring on three cohorts annually. Uh, we, yeah, are, we do a finalist pitch event three times a year. Consequently, the next one that we have on the agenda is September 30th. So we're just a few weeks away from that event. That is a public event. We encourage people to follow us on social media, LinkedIn, right. Twitter, uh, HalliburtonLabs.com. Uh, you can find some information about uh, the, the program there. That's where you go and apply. If you're a company that uh, you think you might be a good fit for, for participating in Halliburton Labs. Uh, if it's something that Halliburton is already working on, uh, we're really not interested. So sure. uh, as Halliburton sure. Labs, but uh, yeah. we would love to. I make connections all the time back in. If you have a, like a really good cementing operation, then that's not like you're not really that, interested. That's in that. not for Halliburton Labs, but yeah. Uh, yeah. our cement right. business would love to check it out. So <laughs> I'm sure they would. That's right. Uh, yeah. So uh, I will leave with that. It's just a, an encouragement for people to come check out a pitch event. Check out the companies that are with us. We've got eight companies that are actively participating now. We'll bring on another three or four here through this uh, upcoming pitch event. And uh, we do that three times a year. So we're uh, we're busy and we're just uh, excited to take on year two. We've been uh, well into our second year now. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and September 30th is what you said, right? That's uh, correct. Is, and yeah, we'll Thursday. put all that in show notes. So, so okay, but... The one thing that wasn't clear is so what so September 30th like what do I do do I do I show up somewhere or like do how do it's I sign up It's a virtual up? event you just register um, and it's uh, broadcast by Cvent that's the, the okay. an, an attendee hub kind of uh, event and so but I can go to the website and, and register and all that. Exactly stuff. that's right yeah um, and then for sure like on social media we by the time this airs, uh, we'll have LinkedIn posts and things out there with links to go to the registration site and all that kind of stuff. Great, so great. It'll be tough to miss. If you're looking for it, you should be able to find it. If for whatever okay. reason you can't, uh, um, <laughs> message me on LinkedIn or something, then we'll get you a registration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds good. All right, good. And you are easy to find on LinkedIn. I can attest to that. Uh, we'll we'll put you, we'll put of course we'll put all links to all of that in the show notes. And, yeah, number one, um, Scott Gale. That's me. <laughs> number one. The one and only. All hey, right, so Scott, Scott Gale. Gale. That's my that's my handle. <laughs> I got I got you. All right, excellent. So Scott, I uh, thanks again and uh, for making time to be on the show, and also thanks again for your sponsorship of uh, Jose's podcast. I know he's he's having a great time doing that, and uh, people are really enjoying it. So, uh, so great. Uh, go check out the podcast. We do a giveaway every week, so uh, that's go, right. go, go that's listen, right. and uh, you could get a chance to get a. Uh, Albert Lance backpack. It is, and it's cool too. And and listen, folks, 
all you got to do is just fill out a little form, a little bit of information. It's nothing personal. Like nobody's going to call you up like five minutes later after you press send. You just like fill out the form and win the bag. And, uh, and, and that's right. And we do it every week. So, uh, so excellent. All right. Um, Scott, thanks again, and uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll do a uh, maybe we'll do a follow up. Uh, maybe we'll do a follow up on the tech show at some point if you got something really cool coming out of the lab there that uh, that you want to highlight. I've always got something pretty cool going on. Like, look got to be it. otherwise you're you're failing, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right? All right, all right. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me on. And well, there you have it, folks. I told you that it was cool stuff, and it's Halliburton, and I did not lie. All right, just a couple more things to uh, before we wrap up here. Uh, first of all, thanks again to our sponsor, HPE. Check out HPE GreenLake. Uh, I, it's, like, it's the hot thing. So, I mean, next time I'll talk about something else, but right now, check that out. Appreciate those guys supporting the show. Um, and let's see what else. Uh, OGGN, yeah, we, we need your help. OGG... <laughs> o- it's just one of those days. OGGN is, the Oil & Gas Global Network is a network of podcasts. In fact, it is the largest, most listened to network of podcasts for the oil and energy industry. Uh, there's nobody bigger. That's it. We got, we're the biggest ones. And so if you like this show, um, guess what? There's like a dozen more. All you got to do is go to OGGN.com and you can see what all the podcasts are. Uh, you can find out about the hosts. We all have our cute little pictures up there and there's some stuff about our who we are and everything. Um, now, you're not going to want to listen to the podcast from the web. You can but, you know, what you want to do is just go there, learn about the different shows, and then you can link out to whatever your favorite thing is, Apple Podcasts or, uh, or Spotify or what have you. So, um, so check out all the other great things that are coming from OGGN. Also, now, this is crazy talk, but if you really want to uh, get involved, you could join the OGGN street team. And you don't have to be in Houston. It's not just the Houston streets. You could be anywhere in the world, and you could be part of the street team and... Um, they do a lot of great stuff. Uh, it's it helps us out a lot. It helps the industry. It gets you out from behind these uh, Zoom calls that hopefully people aren't stuck behind so much anymore as, as as they were before. But anyway, it's a great way to get involved. And all you got to do is go to LinkedIn, look up OGGN Street Team. There's a group. You sign up. Uh, they'll put you right in, and then they'll give you they'll give you something fun to do. And I think you get some cool like I don't know. There's like a cool hat or something like that that we're that we're doing now. So uh, you also get in to our events for free. Which uh, which speaking of our events, uh, if you're in Houston, um, anytime on the last Thursday of any month, any month, pick a month. Last Thursday, this is where you need to be. It's somewhere around five or six o'clock in the afternoon. You got to go to the to. <laughs> You gotta go to the Canon, the can the fabulous Canon on the west side of Houston, where of course you know we like to record a lot of podcasts, and uh, we're doing the OGG and happy hours again. And I'm telling you, they're fun. Like people show up, and we have a great time. There's food, drinks. Uh, you know, it's like a good crowd. It's not a huge crowd, so so you can you can you can bump into all your favorite industry people, and uh, and we also always have a very um, informative and engaging panel discussion. So uh, the next one's coming up September 30th. We're talking about Connected Worker in the panel, which is going to be pretty cool. And, uh, you know, you can you can sign up. Look, look, look at this up on LinkedIn. You'll find out about the happy hours. We put out the Eventbrite thing so you can register in advance. You can show up at the door, whatever you want to do. But uh, come to the OGGN happy hours. Join the street team. 
Let's see what else. I think that's it. That's all I'm going to tell you about today. Uh, thanks again, as I said, to our sponsor. Also, thank you, as always, to our audio fixer guy, Mr. Mac Roman, who always makes us sound fantastic, even when I'm getting over uh, being a little under the weather. So uh, you probably heard me say a couple episodes back that I was... I was going under the weather, and now I'm coming back out from under the weather. So pretty soon I should be back to my normal voice. But in the meantime, you got this. That's it for today. Tune in next week for yet another great story about people, real people in the oil and gas industry who are getting digital done. Come back next week for yet another exhilarating expedition into the very real world of the best digital doers in the oil and gas industry. A production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.